0: Called Leap of Faith. Has anyone seen that movie Leap of Faith before? Steve Martin played the faith healer. Today in the world, there are many faith healers, so called faith healers. Um, They seem to pop up here and there. And whether or not they are actually legitimate or not, um, I would have to take each one on a case by case basis. But I will say this I can give you a way, if you ever come across someone who claims that they can heal, They're a faith faith healer. I would discern whether or not they are real a few different ways. First of all, I would ask them, will you heal for free? Think about it. Most of those uh, people that do the healing, uh, faith healers, they want to charge you money. They want you to give money. So would they do it for free? That would be a first test that I would give. Second, I would compare their uh, healings to the healings that we see in the Bible. When Jesus healed, when the disciples healed, when, when the healings happen in the Bible, do they happen in a similar fashion? Thirdly, I would listen for the excuse that the woman in the video shared. Because faith healers often will say, if you're not healed, it's your fault. You don't have the faith to be healed. And when if they say that, then they don't grasp the understanding of the gift of healing. They don't understand that faith doesn't have the power to heal. God's word doesn't teach that faith has the power to heal. It says that God has the power to heal. God alone is the one who heals. Maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering in, in, the, in the need of healing. Maybe you've been praying for someone to be healed. When you look at the prayer requests or the, prayer, um, pra- the, the prayers that we share in your program, you have a program on a chair next to you, you open it up, you have uh, an insert there, and it has all kinds of prayer requests, things to be praying about. I looked at that, I saw on that list alone, just our list of prayer requests, I saw cancer, MS, addiction, Alzheimer's, anxiety, depression, heart surgery, just some of the things that we are praying for as a church together. And we're praying, God, heal these people. That's what we're asking for. My question is, is it working? Are our prayers working? Well, Tyler Nichols is proof of that. Tyler Nichols is coming home this week, and nobody ever thought he would leave the hospital. But what makes prayer work? What really makes it effective, powerful? I mean, isn't that a question that you'd like to know the answer to? How does prayer become effective? Let's face it, there's two kinds of prayer. Prayer that works and prayer that doesn't work. All right? All right? I mean, when we pray, I want to have prayers that work. I want to pray effective prayers. I want to pray Elijah-like prayers. Don't you? Isn't that what you want when you pray? Because I know you pray. James 5.16. I love the King James Version of this. It's pretty rare that I would use the King James Version, because generally it's the English Standard Version, but... I know there's some old school folks here, and you like the King James Version, so here you go. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I just love how that sounds, because it's really jam-packed with a lot. I mean, I could preach a whole sermon on that alone. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We want to pray and see results, don't you? Yes. Today I want to show you what makes prayer work, and I want you to know how to pray with faith for healing. That's the goal today. Does that sound like it would be helpful for you? Amen? Let's pray then. God, help us today to hear your word as John prayed earlier. May it enter into our hearts. May your word transform us. This isn't about just giving us some information. This is about transforming us, changing us, from the inside out, so that we can glorify you. God, build up this church, this body of Christ, so that we can go out and make disciples. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So we have the harmony of the Gospels. For a year and a half, we're in the harmony of the Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm blending them together, harmonizing them together, so that we can understand basically how Jesus taught us to live our lives. I'm getting excited. You might see on Facebook uh, 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 a little uh, post that uh, is talking about our upcoming uh, series called The Sermon on the Mount, starting on Easter. So if you have a friend... Uh, someone you know that might be looking for a church to go to on Easter, I encourage you to invite them. Easter morning, we're starting a series, and it's basically the most famous sermon of all time. Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all three of those chapters, and I'm going to give you seven messages about relationships and how to lessen your worries and how to be blessed, and it's going to be a great series. We are also going to have a good Friday service as well, so if you have Friends, family members, right? Associates, neighbors that want to come to church, invite them. This is the chance, this is an opportunity. Most people are willing to go to church on Easter. It's kind of a, a holiday, if you will, for, for many. So encourage you and invite folks out. Harmony of the Gospels here right now, today, talking about healing. In fact, it's going to be this week and next week. It was one of those messages that as I was preparing, it was just overwhelming with the information that I was taking in and and what God was speaking to me about and just thought to myself, I can't do this in one message. I have to split this up into two. And so we're going to talk about praying with faith today for healing, and then next week we'll talk more about praying God's will for healing. So um, I'm thankful for this message Uh, Primarily because I know we all pray for those that are sick. Because honestly, will sickness ever stop? Not until Jesus returns, right? That's the world we live in. It's a fallen world, and there is sickness, and we will die. So we pray, we pray, we pray. I want you to pray with faith. You need to know how to do that. In the beginning of... The second year of Jesus' ministry, it was about a three-and-a-half-year ministry. In the second year, Jesus became very popular. It was the year of popularity in his ministry. Why did he become so popular? Honestly, you could point to one reason. He healed people. Think about it. If there was someone today that was healing people, masses, large amounts of people, they would be extremely popular popular. They would draw crowds like Jesus did. He was healing people. I want to take you to the first text, Mark chapter 1. If you have your Bible with you, you can open it up, whether it be printed or electronic, or if you want to look at the screens, you can see the screens. But Mark chapter 1, verse 29, Jesus had left the synagogue and he he had healed a man that was uh, born Or, excuse me, he just had an evil spirit. I don't know if he was born with an evil spirit. But he had an evil spirit. Jesus healed him. And then he went to the disciples' house. That is, Andrew and Simon. Simon is Peter. And James and John. Those are the four of the twelve disciples. And it was Simon Peter's house. And it was Simon's mother-in-law who was ill with a fever. Immediately they told Jesus about her. Isn't that nice of Peter? He cares about his mother-in-law. If you're a mother-in-law, underline this verse, okay, and show it to your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law, all right? He cares about her. Isn't that sweet? So Jesus came and took Peter's mother-in-law by the hand, lifted her up, healed immediately. Fever left her, and she began to serve them. And I love that because That's kind of what moms do, right? That's just how they feel most comfortable. Let's feed the boys. Let's make some lamb chops and feed them. So they had this great meal. And then after the meal, verse 32, that evening at sundown, they brought to Jesus all who were sick and oppressed by demons. The whole city was gathered. That's Bethsaida. That's where he lived. At the door they were there. He healed them who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Well, you read that and you think, well, how did they know Jesus? And the answer is demons are fallen angels. They had been in heaven at one point with Jesus because Jesus always was. So here you have a long day of ministry. Jesus was wiped out. There have been many Mondays where I thought to myself, I'm going to take the morning off because I'm tired. Jesus wakes up, it says in verse 35, early in the morning, it was still dark, and he goes out of the house to a desolate place, and what did he do? He prayed. He prayed. That's what Jesus often did. He prayed. He connected with his Father, What do you suppose he prayed? I think I know what he prayed. I think he prayed, Father, I thank you for what you did yesterday. It was a busy day of ministry. Many people were healed. I thank you for healing those people. And then he prayed, Father, what are we going to do today? Because I want to join in that work. Think about that prayer. Make that your daily prayer. Thank you, Father, for what you did yesterday. And thank you for what you're going to do today. Open my eyes to see so I can join you in your work. Let that be your daily prayer. Jesus was clearly a healer, given the power to heal by his heavenly Father. But then we have to ask ourselves, as we read through these healings, and I show you these examples, what role does faith play? What role does faith play in these healings? And I want you to see some of the examples because I believe faith matters. It doesn't have power to heal, but it certainly matters. As we see, give you some examples. Jesus went back to his hometown in Nazareth. He says that famous line A prophet is without honor in his own country, right? In his own hometown. And he says, actually, when he's there, it says that he was. Um, unable to do, very few miracles were done because of their lack of faith, their unbelief. Now right there you think to yourself, or you see clearly, faith matters, right? Faith matters. But could he not heal them if he wanted to? Or should I say, could he have healed them if he wanted to? And the answer to that is yes. So it's not the faith, the lack of faith, if you will, that kept these people from being healed. It's the fact that Jesus didn't heal them. He could have healed them, regardless of their faith. I'll show you that. But the reason he didn't heal them, I believe is the end result of physical healing. They would not have healed. Believed he was the Son of God. They had a hard time with this, right? They saw Jesus grow up. They didn't believe he was God. And so, therefore, they didn't receive healings, miracles. Jesus physically healed to lead a person to spiritual healing. That's something you have to understand. Physical healing is not as important as spiritual healing. And more on that next week. That's kind of what next week's all about. But I wanted to touch on that. Second type of people that Jesus encountered, and we see faith interacting and interweaved here, is those who had great faith. Many times, as you read through the Gospels, you'll see there was a woman with bleeding issues who came to him when he was walking somewhere, and wanted to be healed, and there were the 10 lepers that wanted to be healed, and then there was the blind beggar who came to him and wanted to be healed, and Jesus healed them, and he said this, your faith has made you well. And I know you've read that before, or you've heard that before, and you saw that, and you probably thought to yourself, look, right there, faith makes you well, right? Faith, and, and I guarantee you, those faith healers will spout those lines out, will quote those verses. Your faith has made you well. But that statement does not indicate that faith has the power to heal. It just says that faith matters. It doesn't have the power to heal, but it matters. You'll see why in the next example. John chapter 5. There's an invalid at the pool of Bethesda. I think 38 years he had been an invalid. He he's not able to walk. He does not show faith. He does not even ask to be healed. And Jesus is there, and you have to understand the picture here. There's probably hundreds of people around this pool of Bethesda because it's known for when the water is stirred, it's stirred by the angels, and the first one to put their feet in or their hand in gets healed. That's the scene. And out of all the people, Jesus goes to one person and heals one person who doesn't even ask for it, doesn't show faith, and he heals just that one. It shows that Jesus has the power to heal whether a person has faith or not. He did it for a reason, a different reason. In John chapter 9, the man that was born blind. Born blind, never saw in his life. The disciples said to Jesus, "Um, is it because he sinned or his parents sinned that he was born blind? And Jesus responds, nope. This man doesn't put any faith in Jesus. He says, nope, this is so that you can see the power of God at work in this man's life. And what happens is he's healed, he can see... And then he worships Jesus. Then he believes. Jesus healed some without any faith on their part. Faith came after. And this is my proof that faith doesn't have the power to heal. God alone has the power to heal. It's important for you to understand that so you know how to pray with faith. You have to understand that. It's not your faith that has the power to heal. It's God who has the power to heal. So, here's the big question. How do you pray powerful prayers? How do you pray effective prayers? The answer is faith. Now, don't get mad at me. Don't throw tomatoes at me, all right? Or donuts or cantaloupe. There was some cantaloupe floating around on the ground there. Don't throw that at me, okay? Bear with me. I'll help you understand. Faith doesn't have power, okay? but faith matters because faith plugs the need into the power source. Faith moves. I have an illustration coming so you can grasp it, but I want you to understand the definition of faith defined by God's Word. There's a verse in the Bible, anybody know it, that defines faith. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1. Hebrews 11:1 says, comes up on the screen, faith is the assurance of what you hope for and the conviction of what you cannot see. And I'll go back to the King James Version. Some of you might have memorized it: the substance of things not seen, right? And the evidence. But I like these two words, assurance and conviction. Because I think they imply a couple different things. First of all, we want to pray with faith. To say, I pray with faith, is to say, I pray with assurance and conviction. Or I could say, or conviction, as you'll see. Some of you pray with tremendous faith, tremendous conviction. You're convinced when you pray, God is going to heal this person or yourself, whoever you're praying for. And the reason why you believe it, the reason why you have this faith, is because you've seen God do it, and he'll do it again. Maybe that's you. You pray with that kind of faith. Already. Some of you have really great faith, but you're pretty pragmatic. You know? You're sensible. You know, You, you think to yourself, well, the doctors are saying this this cancer's really, really bad and there's probably no recovery here. Or maybe you, in your pragmatic way, your practical sense, realistic, you're like, well, maybe God's got a different plan. So your faith is kind of halfway. You know what I mean? Some of you have doubts entirely that God can do it, that God still does it. It's because you've prayed for healing before and you didn't receive it. You prayed for that person that you loved, and they didn't get better. And so now you have a lot of doubts. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, I want you to know it's okay if you have doubts. Even the disciples had doubts. Even the disciples struggled with their faith. Let me take you to that place. There was a young man who had suffered from an evil spirit, He goes to the disciples. This is actually a little bit further on in Jesus' ministry. He goes to these disciples and he says, Please, can you heal my son? He he has an evil spirit and they couldn't do it. They failed. They failed. Well, Jesus comes down from the mountain. This was after the Mount of Transfiguration. Mark chapter 9, verse 21. It's also recorded in Matthew, which I'll show you in one of the verses at the end. But Mark 9, 21, Jesus asked this man, this father, how long has this been happening to your boy? And he says, from childhood. So several years he's been possessed by this evil spirit. And it says in verse 22, oftentimes the spirit would cast his boy into fire and into water to try to destroy him. This is a serious thing going on here. But he says, the Father to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. (laughs) Now you know what's coming next, right? Uh, Jesus, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus says, he calls him out. If you can, and he says, all things are possible for one who believes, who has faith. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is pointing out that faith matters. And then immediately, the father of the child cries out, I believe, help my unbelief. Is that not the most oxymoron statement you ever heard in your life? I believe, help my unbelief. It doesn't make sense. But it does if you understand what he's really saying. I want to believe, but I'm struggling. I want to have great faith, but I have some doubts. And the proof to him was nobody could heal his boy. So, Jesus' disciples couldn't do it. By the way, Jesus did heal the man and cast the evil spirit out. And the disciples come to Jesus, verse 28 of Mark 9, and they go into the house and the disciples ask him privately because they're so embarrassed, right? They ask him privately, why could we not do it? I mean, you gave us... The ability to do this. Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer, and some manuscripts say, and fasting. Fasting would imply a deeper commitment to prayer. You didn't pray hard enough, is basically what he's saying. Now, if you read Matthew 17, 20, if you harmonize the Gospels, you get another thing that Jesus said. Matthew records this. Jesus also said, the reason why is because of your little faith. But he says, truly, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, which is tiny, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, because nothing will be impossible for you. So by the, those two stories two accounts of what Jesus said there, harmonizing the Gospels, we see the disciples did not pray a prayer of faith. They didn't pray with great faith. They didn't pray with assurance and conviction, which is the kind of prayer that needs to be prayed if we want to see results, if we want to see any opportunity or chance of a healing to take place. So how do we do that? How do we pray? With faith, with assurance and conviction. Let's look at a famous passage, James chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. It says right away, the prayer of faith. This is what I'm talking about, the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith will say, this is James, by the way, this is Jesus' half-brother, teaching through this letter that the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. We're going to come back to this next week because this is tying in the spiritual healing with the physical healing. Here's that part, that verse I read earlier this time in the English Standard Version, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah is the prime example, James gives. Elijah was a man with a nature like yours. He prayed fervently that it would not rain. For three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. He prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Now I know many of you have read that verse before and thought to yourself, man, I want to pray like Elijah. Am I right? He prayed. It didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again, it rained. But James is saying, Elijah is like you. He has a nature like you. I know we think of Elijah uh, as something really super special and put him on this, 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 uh, what do you call it, pedestal because he's a prophet, But he had a nature like you. He's a man like you. And he prayed a prayer of faith. He prayed a prayer of assurance and conviction. And here's what I want you to understand. The assurance came supernaturally. The conviction came from his experience. That's what faith is. Assurance and conviction. Now get this. The assurance. He's sure. It wasn't going to rain for three and a half years. How could he be so sure? How could Elijah pray with assurance? 1 Corinthians twelve seven, we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You become a Christian, you receive a gift. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit to build up the church for the common good. Verse 9, two of the gifts mentioned in this account. One of them is faith. Now I've read about that before, and I thought to myself, what's so significant about supernatural faith? The answer today. He also mentions, Paul, the writer says, the gifts of healing. Boy, he puts those right together. I think there's a reason for that. These two spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us, the church, today. Not just back then, today. Okay? Verse 11, all these empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The supernatural gift of faith is this, the assurance that God will come through. When you have this supernatural gift of faith, you are assured God is going to answer that prayer that you pray. As Elijah received assurance, that's how he could pray that it won't rain for three and a half years. The Spirit informed him, and he prayed the prayer of faith, of assurance. And then I believe Elijah, Elijah also prayed with conviction or proof, because Elijah walked closely with God. He often joined God in his work, and Elijah saw God's power time and time again, and he was convinced God can do it again. God can make it rain. If he can make it stop for three and a half years, he can make it start. So he's our example for one who can pray with assurance, pray with conviction. The assurance came supernaturally. The conviction came from experience. Here's my illustration. I hope I didn't lose you. But I think this will bring it home for you. This here is a lamp. (laughs) This lamp okay, needs healing. This lamp doesn't work, see? It's broken. It needs healing. In order for this lamp to be healed, I'm going to pray for it. Now I'm praying with faith because I've seen this lamp work before. I'm praying with conviction. I've seen it work before. I've used this lamp before. I know it works. I know God has done it before, and he'll do it again. But I'm also praying with assurance. I am sure that this lamp can be healed. And the reason why is that God has told me that the power is on. The power is on. And when I pray with faith, What does faith do? What does your faith do when you pray? It takes the lamp and it plugs it in to the power source. That's what faith does. Now there's times when we plug it in and it doesn't work right away. I like to call this little switch here God's will. Sometimes God's will is like right now. And sometimes God's will is in a little bit. And sometimes God's will is not in this lifetime. But he always provides spiritual healing. This is faith. Plugging in to the power source. Faith is the vehicle. It moves. That's the role of faith. Faith. It brings the need to God. It presents the need to the one who can heal. That's God. God has the power to heal. We'll talk about that more next week when we talk about God's will. But I want you to know that you can pray with faith for healing. The key is you know who has the power to heal. You have to understand, faith is simply the vehicle that moves the need to God. I think of praying with faith as taking that person you're praying for, taking that need, whatever it is, and placing them at the throne of God. You're just putting them right there. And you know, sometimes you see those people that, man, their prayers are answered all the time. I just think they have that gift of faith, that faith that that they just walk so closely with God and they just have assurance and conviction and and they're just moving things faster, I feel like. But it's God who has the power to heal. Think about this. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And maybe before you thought to yourself, faith had the power to heal, but it didn't. What Jesus meant when he said to those people, your faith has made you well, he's saying your faith has brought you to the one who can heal you. Faith brought you to me. And I have the power to heal you. That's how your faith has made you well. So I encourage you with four things. I encourage you to ask God for the gift of faith when you pray. That's the gift of assurance. That's the supernatural gift. Ask God for that. The Holy Spirit gives accordingly. And God tells us to ask for things. If you need wisdom, James says, ask for wisdom. Well, if you need greater faith, assurance, ask God for it. I encourage you to walk so closely with God so you can experience his little daily miracles and then you'll begin praying with conviction that God has done it before and he'll do it again. I encourage you to pray continually with faith. That means to be relentless with your requests. Pray without ceasing. Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians. And sometimes to pray without ceasing means you fast and you pray. To fast is to not eat so that you have more time to pray. Pray without seizing. And I encourage you to pray with diligence. Because when you look at the way Jesus taught, to pray in Matthew 7, 7, he says, ask, right? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. Just think about that for a minute. Ask, seek, knock. If you want to meet face-to-face with a person, you don't just ask someone, oh, where do you live? And then you meet face-to-face with them. You seek out the place they live. You knock on the door. It's a process. Asking, seeking, knocking, pursuing God. And that's praying with faith. So I encourage you to do those four things. To pray with assurance, pray with conviction, pray continuously, and pray with diligence. Let's be a church that prays with faith for those that need to be healed. Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you for today and this message. May it open our eyes to see how we can pray effectual prayers. That by walking with you as righteous ones, we're only righteous by your son Jesus, clothed by him. I pray, Father, that we could avail of much, that we could see our prayers work because we are moving things into your presence. Father, we know you have the power to heal. We trust in your will. Even though that's hard sometimes, we trust in your will. God, help us to have the patience. Help us to have the diligence to continue praying for that what it is we want, that which which was what we need. God, give us what we need. Thank you, Father, for your, your love, your compassion, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.